You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer.
This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and so excited to have Gloom on the show. Welcome onto the podcast, Gloom. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, really excited. Um, uh, been really digging on, really digging on your music. Um, newer release, main character. Um, I enjoyed the vibe of it. Um, uh, I enjoy your, your singing is, um, kind of dreamy, you know? So, um, I really, I really, I really dig on that. Um, but you're also not only, you know, as a, you know, you, a performer, uh, artist, um, you're also heading up a, a record label and, um, that's something you're working hard on really now for an upcoming launch. Uh, I was kind of wondering about like what's going on with that and uh, what, what you're trying to do. Well, um, I, I was going to, uh, I left my previous label and I was looking around and talking to other people at other labels. And, um, in the meantime, in the interim, I was trying to figure out how to get by financially. And, um, I had made a GoFundMe to get back from Paris to Los Angeles. And um, I was pretty tired of making GoFundMes. And so I was like, uh, I think I'm going to make one of those OnlyFans, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, that did way better than I thought. And so much better that I did. I realized this isn't like shopping money. I need to like invest this into something that matters. Um, and so I started talking to my friends and everyone that I work with and my whole team and, um, everyone just kind of jumped on board and everyone I knew just came out of the woodwork and they're like, well, I want to work there. I want to do this. I'd like to do this there. And so I suddenly I just had this whole, um, staff of people at this record label I just imagined up and, um, it's been really exciting and we're talking to some pretty exciting artists, um, and uh, we will be launching in January, February. We are very um, vocal about the fact that it is uh, powered by porn or funded by it because there's a lot of trouble, especially um, indie labels, of um, making money and artists making money. I think everyone's just hoping to break even at best a lot of the time. And... Um, I think giving out small but substantial advances and then having, you know, an artist in debt just enough to make it where they can't make it back from like the small amount of sinks you get at an indie label. You know, it's not like you're at Interscope and they're just like, you're on Euphoria right now. Um, you, you just, it's just like this thing, you get stuck and you're like, wait, well, I don't have time for a job. I can't work at Starbucks. And, mm -hmm. I'm touring all the time and that's not pain because that's paying back the advance, you know, and there's just this model and I think it works a little better if you blow up on like a major and you're, you know, Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, I mean, Taylor Swift had to, she just re-recorded all her music. So there's problems everywhere, but, um, at the label I'm doing, I'm kind of treating it more of like a glor it's like a, the contract would be more, I think you would say a management contract where I take like 15, 20%, but 
it's different where it's a label because I'm funding it with the um, adult film that I do and paying for publicity, tour support, etc. And um, I think personally on an indie level, you know, artists are working their themselves to the bone and they're sharing, you know, they're, they're sharing like everything that they have and their yeah. music is coming from the, the depths of them and it's all of this stuff. And, and then, you know, they're not really like getting anything out of it other than sharing it. And so I don't feel comfortable taking their masters. I don't feel comfortable um, taking like half of everything because I honestly didn't create, I, I didn't do anything to create the product and as an indie label, and as I've seen other indie labels, I'm not going to change their life enough to take away the thing that they made and that they own, they should own. And if I do, that's great. Everyone's happy. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not like, I guess, feeling like so much greedy in this as much as I just want to see people and artists win. And if some like major comes along and they find an artist on my label that they love and they just pay a bunch of money and change their lives. That's great. I'll be, I'll be thrilled that, that, that would be amazing. So I just, I know a lot of people who, um, who have been burned and I'm talking to an artist right now. who's a really big artist that just left a major and they're, they're, they're talking between me and Warner brothers. <laughs> Ah, well, that's a nice convo, or at least the frame of the convo. Yeah, it's it's just kind of funny that anyone would be deciding between me and Warner Brothers. I think it's just because they're tired. I think they're very tired of the, like, uh, you know, I I think that the idea of making money off of music right now is really, it's a complex thing, and it's a really scary conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. I know a majority of my friends who do music um, secretly do sex work on the side to support themselves. And uh, most people just think they're making music off touring. And it's, you know, it's really like every, and they keep saying, oh, the industry is different than it used to be. And it it just keeps happening (laughs) every six months, every year. You keep being like, wow, it's really not working even more. (laughs) Yeah, And so, um, so yeah, I decided to start this label and fund it from something completely different. Yeah. And pay for the PR, pay for the billboards, pay for the tour, whatever, from this thing that this website that welcomed me generously. And <laughs> I um I'm no, happy no to kidding. Do it. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, so I'm 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 pretty excited and it's kind of fun to talk about and people's eyes pop out when you try to explain your business to people at parties and um but I think that's fun and I think um I also think I spent so much of my time with somebody with other people monetizing my sexuality and selling me as like a sexual thing and I'd like to make the money in my bank account from that if anyone's going to so yeah, like the not to I mean like it's like the direct link and I don't know, I'm thinking of it in the sense of you know within within music and in the the radical changes of being able to be paid and the type of models of 
maybe doing a label like you do or Bandcamp, right? Where there's this idea at least that there's a direct transmission of support. And yeah. when OnlyFans, I mean, the same type of mechanism where it's a direct transmission of patronage, support, payment. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so funny because I get fans on there and they'll talk about my album for a while. And they'll go on like, oh, I really like this song. I like this song. And then they'll be like, can you take a video of yourself in the shower? And then they'll offer $100. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a strange, it's like, but it's like such a wholesome interaction. And then they request that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good price. And so. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, uh, I was talking, um, I was thinking about the the label, and it's 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 really kind of cool. I released a, an episode today with uh, Pieta Brown, um, a, f- a folk singer, um, and uh, she's on um, Righteous Babe, uh, Ani DeFranco's uh, record label, and it was. I had such a conversation. It was really. Um, I didn't. I. I'm not a musician. I haven't been you know been in the in the industry but um i've heard so many of the artists i interviewed talk about the experience of like the label of like artist support of people just trying to expropriate from artists or like an ethos and so i was excited to hear about like the ethos that you were talking about of like how you're trying to do it because of a connection between making great art and getting paid for that yeah. are and not being fleeced. Exactly. I want yeah. if like if they get a really big sink on television, I want them to get a really big check. And it's a different it's a different idea though, it seems. Yeah, know. it's a weird idea to pay to think that yeah, <laughs> pay them. <laughs> well, the, I think one of the things is so I do this I've done this podcast and it's like over 200 episodes. And I think one of the interesting pieces for me as the host is I, I'm, I, I do different things, but I'm, I'm a labor organizer, union guy, and I have this whole art side that I developed. But what I find interesting is when I talk to artists, like I have a knowledge and a passion or interest about what they're doing, but I have no skin in the game. Like I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like I just really like to find, like I get, I'm really excited about your music and I'm like, Oh, I would like to talk to Gloom, and I think the com- the competition or the way the industry that you have to operate in it, you kind of have to have an eye on folks and being like, "All right, which piece of me is somebody trying to get?" And just having a conversation about like, there's no angle, you know, yeah. or like let's let's be upfront and like let's support each other, uh, yeah, like exactly. collectively or something. I think it. I think that it promotes a really good environment for everyone to succeed because everyone's motivated because everyone's getting something out of it. And it also promotes an environment where instead of being like a toxic, like family, like I know, like I've been at workplaces where they're like, Oh, it's family. It's family. And you always read online. Like that's a huge red flag. Don't say your family. Like say you're a cult before you say you're a family. <laughs> um, and so Interesting. I like, yeah, uh, with my friends that I that you know I'm working with and artists that I'm working with, like I just want to see them do really well, and I believe in them and I believe in their music and I I hope that I can I'm able to take them to an, another level that I figured out how to get to that I kind of know the pathway to at least for them to at least give them a boost and give them an opportunity to have their shot 
And um, uh, I think a lot of people don't know how to do that that are artistically inclined because it's such a different part of the brain. Um, I think I'm kind of a weird person because I started doing, started working when I was, you know, six years old and I've been considering finances and mortgage since I was six years old. Um, I still think about my family and making sure that they're okay every month. And now if they get money, they don't know it's coming from OnlyFans, but it is. And, um, uh, (laughs) they don't need to know that, but they're okay. And that's the important part. And, um, but my mind has always been wrapping my head around how to do things with business. So I've always been able to kind of try to figure out how to get you know, how to open doors without having been grandfathered in by a family member or nepotism or some sort of thing where I'd obviously just be like welcomed. Um, but like, you know, kind of weaseling my way in from like growing up in Artesia and having nothing, uh, but knowing that I have something to offer artistically and knowing some, I have something to offer in terms of like a personality and like a performer, but knowing that I also have to figure out the business of it because I don't have anyone doing that or holding my hand. And so I had to figure that pretty young. And so, um, I don't think my brain would have maybe like naturally done that had it not been like a, um, make it or break it thing. Like my parents kept you know, we kept having evictions and things like that. And so it became like a survival thing where I, just, I had to figure out how to make money when I was really at a formative age. And so I think, am I naturally like a business person? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know that my, both of my parents are not. They're very, you know, they just want to read books and write books and just, you know, philosophize and, you know, they're not money minded. And, and I get it. I get I, I would love to just run into a field in Versailles and read, you know, Proust and just ignore the whole thing. But I do have to pay for dinner and I do have to pay my, my rent. And so it's always been kind of a struggle because that part of me that writes songs and writes films and whatever doesn't want to do the other things. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just want to be free. And then there's the other part of me that's like, you have to get up and get in the office and return all of those emails or yeah. else you're screwed. And so I uh, I have a really good way in figuring out a way of navigating things that I think probably must have come from child acting. Like everyone thought with my last album, we had incredible people we had rufus wainwright sean and Lennon, Starflucker of montreal incredible incredible and that was literally just me sending out cold emails that i tried to make sound decent enough that they would respond to them good for you good for you and they did and everyone thinks like oh like who hooked that up for you and i'm like i did <laughs> and i found their management and then i found this email and then i found this <laughs> That's all I ever did. I, I, I totally, I totally get that. I want to, I, uh, in doing the show, I referred like a pivotal thing happened to me and I never expected it was, um, Amanda Palmer's book, the art of asking. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, I know that book. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, it, well, there's a million reasons it like, it blew me away, but like, 
I had had a, a tendency, you know, as a philosopher, as I'm from the East Coast, maybe a bit brash, a bit like yeah. asking of asking questions, but there was Me this, too. yeah, cool, like, but there was this additional like piece in Amanda Palmer where I see such bravery and such like she would talk about being, you might remember being um, like as a human statue in like Cambridge, Massachusetts, and it's raining out and she's there for hours and, you know, just like, like doing it, just trying to get through and, and to make it and the courage that was built up, like you asking those, it's from, it's like the art of asking. It's like, I'm going to ask the question and I'm going to look stupid as fuck sometimes, but go for it. Absolutely. I think, um, I think I lost the feeling of embarrassment and that got knocked out of me in somewhere in elementary school. Cause when you do auditions every day, and they're just like, okay, now cry, now dance, now oh my goodness, you're act like yeah. you have a crush on this guy, but then you're going to walk out sobbing and then, okay, thank you, bye. Like your embarrassment threshold just starts <laughs> <laughs> going down and you're just oh like, honestly, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I think like <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is that they say, I don't want to work with you. And okay, <laughs> that's fine. No, I'm and the... so, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you. I, I think, like, rejection is just, who cares? Like, you, you could, you're going to end up kind of um, making it in yourself anyway if you don't ask. You're going to make this weird feeling of, like, oh, they wouldn't have wanted me. You're going to fill up the narrative in a exactly. You're gonna make an, way. Either, either way, you're going to feel bad. You mm-hmm. might as well just make noise and see if you get, see if they say yes. And if they say no, or if you don't ask, you're going to feel the same. So at least the, with one, there was an option of a yes. Um, All right. We're, we're, we're definitely, definitely, uh, definitely preaching to each other right now. Absolutely. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think that's, 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 that's really cool. Like one of the coolest stories I have in doing the podcast for uh, four and a half years is I've gotten written no's from Joan Jett twice. So fuck you. I got two no's from Joan Jett. No other people have two no's. So I was like, exactly. <laughs> and next year I'm going to send it again. And I'm going to exactly. say, I still want to talk to you, Joan, because I love you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, I got one no on the album, but it was a next one. I'll do the next one. I'm just oh, out of town. Oh, it was even a. Even so I didn't a, even feel that bad. No, yeah. you were you were you're batting a thousand. So st- stick with that, and you know you're gonna have three swings and misses, and you're gonna be okay with those, or maybe they'll all come in, right? So I don't even think about it. I mean, think about it when you when you grow up, you go on thousands of auditions. You get several sometimes. Like think about the ratio of nos. Oh gosh. You know, so it's just like you just don't you you eventually you just you you go to the audition and you forget that ever happened. Like the second you walk out the door, you're like, I don't know. What did I do today? I'm not sure. Because if you if you like dwell on it, you're just you're going to be the saddest child. And so <laughs> I think like I just don't think like I'll just send stuff out. I'll just 
you know, oh, this could be a cool thing. And, and then I just kind of, I just kind of forget about it. And then if it comes back to me and it's like, Hey, we like this idea. I'm like, Oh wow. That is so cool. I forgot I sent that. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. on top of it, like, you know, the, the, the like blessing that I've gotten from behaving in the way of, of, of being choosing to be brave has created such incredible relationships and mentorships that I don't think I would ever, ever, ever have from like where I came from in life and who I know and what I was. And like, you know, I, I had a really hard day the other day and I shared about it in my story. I like cried (laughs) and, um, I, and I, I sometimes I'll check with my PR and be like, sorry. And they're like, no, that's okay. So vulnerable. Love it. Um, <laughs> but I got messages from people I really look up to. Some of the people I collaborated with on the album. And they were like, these long messages of just encouragement. And I was just like, they're like real. They're like real. <laughs> they're just like friends that like actually care. Like I thought, you know, you don't want to presume like, it's just like, for all I know. Yeah. We collaborated. That was, I'm already yeah. honored. Yeah, sure, sure. And then when they take interest in your life and just be, they're like, no, let's be friends. Like, I'm just like, I don't even know what to say. Like I, I think, um, Rufus Wainwright, he was on tour for a while and he got back in town and he asked me to come have lunch at his house. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> yes, Rufus. And, and the posters yes, on the wall. Yes, yes, Rufus. <laughs> And then he asked uh, for me to sing with him at a, a show at the Ace Theater in March. They're doing the um, this musical, and there's like a this duet number between him and a girl. And he asked me to do it, and I was just like, wow. Like, if I had never sent that email two years ago to be on my album, like, awesome. this is crazy. And so I just, yeah, I, I think like the worst thing that's going to happen is people say no, but people say no to us all the time. Like I, I get more anxiety checking out at a grocery store than most other crazy things that I, crazy fucking things that I do. Like the, the things that I ask, the things that I do, the performances I do, the costumes I wear, the videos I send on OnlyFans, no concern. Then I go, I'm in the line at Trader Joe's and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> they're in such a hurry and I'm not putting my change away fast enough. <laughs> like, that's so, I don't know. I, so I, I grew up like, I only know like performance and entertainment. And then you like put me out in the world and I'm like, ah. Yeah. So it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not too worried of asking this a phenomenal musical artist in the world and trying to get that. But um, the person behind me is getting angry at me because. Stressing me out. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so there we are. Okay. I want to, I want to say, I want to say, I did see um, uh, maybe on Instagram there, you mentioned uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, when you see somebody else who drops into that and, and, and so I was, I was, I was so excited because one of the pieces I, I thought of, or I made a connection in my head was that I, 
saw you in that world, and let me just, just describe it a tiny bit, not to be like coy or strange or anything, but like like uh, when I was listening to your music and seeing your style and hearing the sounds, I was in like a combination of like uh, like eighties and nineties, kind of like uh, kind of like soft, like so maybe a little bit of like a space space rock, um, Hollywood, and some pop, and some of the gloss and Mulholland Drive, mm -hmm. and a Lynch woman in the style and the shot. So I saw it and all that, and then you're talking Twin Peaks. So tell me why you why you why do you love Twin Peaks? Tell me about Twin Peaks. Okay, so I first got into Twin Peaks a long time ago, but before I got into it at all, everyone always said, "Oh, that's very like David Lynch." Like all all these things that I did are made or songs or outfits or like just styles. It was like people will be like, you're very Lynchian or whatever. And I was like, what does that mean? And so yeah, then yeah. in high school, I, I was like, okay, I'm watching this show. And I was like, okay, that's a fair, <laughs> that's a fair assessment. I get, I get what happened here. Yeah. And um, I don't know David, but I do know that miraculously he knows of me. And one song of mine, and that's all, you know, I can die happy right there. But um, he loves this song. This is from, it's like a doo-wop song called Come Softly to Me. And um, so it, we recorded him like a more modern version of that. And um, that was the coolest thing ever. But I have loved David Lynch since, yeah, since I was a teen and... Um, I, I don't know. I think there's something, whatever, whatever weird. Cause like, and I, and then there's, I found something out that he was going to make. Um, and I was trying to make the same thing before I ever knew he was trying to make it. Um, and then I was like, okay, like that, mm -hmm. that's it. Like, I feel like, I don't know what happened there with like our upbringings and what, formed us to think these things but he was trying to make um uh, this movie called venus descending and it was based on the life of marilyn monroe and it was uh which was based on this book called goddess um yeah. and he was going to change their name to rosalind ramsey and jfk was philip something and um it was on Warner Brothers, and they were very excited about it. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, they they knew he was going to do, you know, suggest that Marilyn was murdered. And then that was fine. And then suddenly it wasn't, and the you know the production was scrapped. And um, there's a lot of like mystery and speculation about that. Um, so then he went in to do, and he made Twin Peaks which was the, like, suburban, like, very vague telling of the story he wanted to tell um, in this very abstract way. Yeah. And so he just went and took what he was going to do, which was very straight, you know, well, not very straightforward. It's David Lynch, but, you know, more straightforward. And uh, he made it even more, you know, confusing so that no one could ever point back to that. And, um, I, and I think eventually was honest about it but 
he always said that everything he did had to do with, it was, it was always about Marilyn Monroe. And um, I grew up with a weird upbringing. My mom was um, a lot like Marilyn Monroe's mom and she would, you know, have um, these scares and we'd end up at a picking her up at a mental institution because she didn't, you know, want to live. And we were always trying to keep her happy and um, always this kind of fear that she was going to, you know, she talked about suicide a lot and would end up in mental institutions. And um, I thought that I was a total freak in high school for like all of that, like having to like every time I, you know, would go to like, you know, she there would be like a 5150 thing and I'd end up with like some hospital when they're like in their like psych section and I could never tell friends like at school about that. I would just be like, you know, or like if I was in school that year, I still wouldn't even tell like my actor friends about it on set. Like, um, I just felt like a total freak. And, um, and then my therapist who luckily I had for 15 years, um, she was six to graduate, like graduation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, she was because I, I think my dad was like, we need like another girl lady in here. <laughs> um, and that's really good. And that I'm really glad. <laughs> um, but she gave me a Marilyn Monroe book and she said, I asked her one day, like, I, I don't have a female role model. I don't know how to be a woman. I don't know what that's like. I'm such a tomboy. Um, and she said, well, she's like, you know, that's how Marilyn Monroe's life was, but she turned out to be the biggest female icon of all time. And I was like, immediately, I was like, I went from freak to I am glamorous. Oh my gosh. Like I have the same life as Marilyn Monroe. The glam, I felt suddenly I was just like, oh, I'm just a tortured, beautiful, <laughs> like yeah, it was just yeah. this whatever like messy teen version of the, of the takeaway of that was, but then I eventually like matured with the idea of that um and got a, a better <laughs> handle on what she was suggesting but um I I um I was so obsessed with with Marilyn because I just I felt like okay this is the only person that existed that like understands me and then like uh I also had some weird stuff on my dad's side um my grandfather worked on Apollo 11 and I know that he knew the Kennedys. And so between my mom and my dad and, and there was a, the drama on with that, which I will not get into because I'm not interested in getting murdered. Um, <laughs> I just felt like, gosh, there's like so much here. I feel like I just relate to this lady so much when I was a kid. And so I was just, I was Marilyn obsessed. And then I thought like, God, I, I think that she's so it's so sad how much we've misunderstood her and um, what happened and what like very obviously happened. And then I, um, I wanted to make an album about it. I was about to make an album. Um, and then someone told me, Oh, you have to look at this, this uh, movie that David was going to make called Venus Descending. It's the album you want to make based on the same book you're basing your album on. And I was like, God damn it. Wow. <laughs> and then I found out that's where he pivoted and made Twin Peaks. And I was like, I just think that makes 
total sense. And it's like, no wonder I'm Twin Peaks obsessed because that was probably just so aimed at my brain. There's, wow, there's, there's, there's. I was his full target audience. (laughs) There's, there's, there's so much here. And I, I know you'll indulge some of this. I don't know how much, but uh, one thing, (laughs) one thing about Marilyn Monroe, uh, ever since I was a little, a little kid. So I was, I'm 51, uh, born in 72. I was born exactly 10 years after she died. Okay. Ex- like exactly to the day, yeah. Uh, Ten years. So like, when I was a little, when I was a little kid, like, um, like I was always like fascinated by women and like, like loved to look pictures at women. And Marilyn Monroe was like, wow, like yeah. you know, and um, but was pretty interesting. Even as a young kid, you know, growing up in the eighties stuff, like I read some of the biography stuff. Like I was immediately super intrigued at being like, wait a second, there's a lot going on with her. Like yeah. once you once you start looking in one piece is I wanted to tell you because I noticed some of the uh Marilyn Monroe, like the, the the themed videos that you had was the first thing I thought of. I adore. Um, I'm a huge Truman Capote fan, uh, and his uh, interview with uh, Marilyn in Music for Chameleons called um, "A Beautiful Child." It's an oh, interview yeah. that he did, and and it's just it, it's such a beautiful like human yes. type of work, and. Um, with Capote's poetry and, and she comes in and she's, she's, she's a bit sloppy, yeah. you know, and it's a yeah. very human and real, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful piece, but I saw, I thought of it. I was like, I, I got to remember to bring up Truman Capote and music for chameleons. So. Oh yeah. Well, she's, she's interesting, right? Because she, she had a very, very high IQ, but she also didn't have like higher education and was very aware of that and self-conscious about that. And so she was always reading and people always thought that was for publicity, but I think she knew that she was a force to be reckoned with in her, like deep within her. She knew she was a very intelligent person, but then I think all these men were just like, Oh, you are an, you were an orphan. Like you, what do you know? Um, and back then she couldn't be like, my, um, well, I have an IAQ and I, they, they tested me in high school and I got a grant. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they didn't really think about that at the time. They just kind of wanted like what was on paper and she didn't have that. And so she was, she would just crave learning and, and, and knowledge and, and growing, just always being teachable. And, um, and so she was very interesting because sometimes she would say things that sounded very like, like, um, yeah, like you said, messy or like kind of sloppy. And then sometimes she would say things that you're like, whoa, like that is so like, how did you did that, oh, yeah. did that just come to mind? Like, and so you could see the kind of like that, that thing there where she has this, brain this this mind that's incredible i think she had a higher iq than einstein but then she had this life where nothing no one cultivated that for her and so she did that tried to do that for herself as she was an adult and um and it made for just a very interesting human and oh um, yeah yeah i i think i had like a pretty weird like schooling experience like i couldn't i can't like math is not like at my label that's not my job um, 
the <laughs> someone else. <laughs> someone That's fine. Else. That's why other people do. The other yeah, thing. that's not that's not what I'm here for. Um, we have someone else for that. But I, um, I like I my dad did philosophy, and so homeschooling. I did philosophy classes, and I did one class in fifth grade on the study of iconography. What makes an icon? And in fifth grade, I really needed to know that. And in fifth um, grade. Mm-hmm. Fourth grade was me. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I I think I accomplished something else in fourth grade, but. What really stood out is that I figured out Judy Garland's vibrato that year. Um, it was a very particular vibrato, and I needed to figure that out that year. I think I'd seen like a community theater production of Wizard of Oz, and I, I was like, that didn't sound like Judy, and <laughs> it really bothered me. And I was like, I how did she do that. it? Her vibrato is different. She has yeah. a different vibrato than most musical theater people, and I had to figure it out. So I spent like a year with a voice teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I did some school and, uh, but my dad was really, really focused on, you know, like English history, philosophy, and also like, so he was a counselor and he was a pastor. And, um, and so, well, he was a disgruntled, he was a disgruntled had quit pastor because I think he was too liberal for the church. Um, and so he, um, so he had a mixed bag with that. He, I think he still, I think he still has the Bible close to his heart, but very angry at the politics. And, yeah, um, yeah. and so I, I, I can respect, respect that, but he, he's a really cool guy and he, um, a very unusual guy, uh, to you normally when you hear like, and he was a pastor, you're like, Oh, <laughs> um, but he's, he's a, I don't know. I think I got some of my personality and definitely a lot of my personality from his, his dad, my grandfather, um, the guy who worked at NASA. I mean, he started from nothing, went to car sales, was a car salesman. And then he was really high up on the Apollo 11 mission. And I feel like that's a really awesome jump. And he must've really, you know, figured some shit out. And, um, I feel like I get that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but my dad, he's like, just picture Steve Martin and that's all you need really. Wow. He's just that he's like that funny and like, not like a, like a downgraded, like I'm, I'm being honest, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't want to like, you know, he knows, he knows he's a, a charming fellow. He's actually like that funny. Um, he's a very, he's very intelligent and I don't know, very witty. It's just in the family. Everyone's a funny person, but he, um, he, we, we focused on philosophy. We focused on literature. We focused on history and we focused a lot on character development. That was like a very big part of school, which I thought was normal. Um, but my dad really cared. Like if I, if I came in and I was like, I hung out with Sarah and like, she said this and da da da, And he'd be like, well, is that like the right way to handle that though because he's like well how did sarah feel and i'd be like what do you mean <laughs> and then we'd have to talk about it and i sit down and I'd, I'd be like well sarah was really looking forward to blah 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 and and i would be like oh okay yeah i'll be back i'm gonna go apologize to sarah and like it was like yeah it, it was so weird because i thought that was just so normal but then i see a lot of parenting where like kids just act like little shits and their parents are like, I don't know. And 
yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad that he like he did not. I was not allowed to be. Yeah, we had empathy or else. So, <laughs> um, cultivated, he, cultivated character. It was very, it was a very pressured empathy, and so, yeah, like I mean, no, I, I think, I think I, I probably just like got a lot from him because he's very caring and wants to help people. But um, sometimes I feel like I, you know, like I no one is perfect. And I sometimes feel like I bite off more than I can chew in terms of like what I can, I have to learn boundaries and, you know, oh, I can help, you know, yeah, I can help with that. I can help with that. And then I'm just like, okay, now everyone's going to be mad at me because I said yes to too many things and I can't come through. And so it's like, that's always my lesson is just like, you have to say no sometimes when people are like, Hey, you seem really nice. Will you do this for me? And I'm like, Actually, I ha- I did have plans today. <laughs> you did it. You did it. You did it in practice with me. Good on you. Yeah, yeah. and it was hard, but it's hard. And I definitely, like, I think um, I had a big scandal recently on Reddit where I was scamming a lot of people. Um, there were, like, there were, like, two people. And, I, and two of the accounts, I think I know, were personal people that knew me who didn't end up getting to date me. So there was some... Um, personal, I think it had nothing to do with my Depop account, but um, I, I had, there were like a couple of orders that I was trying to figure out like what happened. Cause I was looking at my Depop. Like, it was a Reddit forum. Like she's, she's a scam artist. She's, she's selling all these, these um, vinyls. She's not sending them to people. Yeah. She's a swindler, just like her old label. And I was just reading this and I was like, Oh no, this is bad. And I, looking at my Depop account for like angry messages or people being like, I didn't get it. And I just had like all five star reviews of people being like, got it really quickly. It was packaged. Well, great love of the record. And I was like, okay, well what, where's this happening? And so like I posted on my stories, if you haven't gotten anything in the mail, please message me. Um, and no one, like, I have, I heard from one person. Nothing. Okay. And then they deleted their Instagram account. And I was like, well, I don't know <laughs> how to help you. And so that was one of the things where I was just like, okay. That's just psychological harm. I was like, you know? that's, I was like, okay, next time, next time we do sales, I'm going to do it with people who know how to do sales and shipping and packaging. And because I, I'm pretty sure everyone got everything I sent. But I, I have the like, sense. I have the sense that they probably did, and you spent a lot of time making sure that was the case too. Right? I did, and I left like little lipstick marks on all of the things. I, <laughs> well, like, I didn't. I, 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 I didn't was, know that. I didn't know that. Okay. But I. But I like. Yeah. I. I. I just was like. Okay. Like. We're over. We're overextending, and so some. This. This one girl actually. She messaged me and she's like oh the one I said didn't come it finally came in the mail and uh you had refunded me but it just it just took a while and I was like oh I'm so glad you got it that makes me so relieved because I thought something was going on with the per- the place I was mailing stuff out of it wasn't a post yeah, yeah. office it was like a mailing store and she's like no no I got it she's like it just took a while and I was like oh I'm so glad to hear it she's like well how do you want me to pay you and I was like just have the album. It's been a long day with people. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you just take one. <laughs> and then because she had my return address, because I was just, <laughs> I didn't have an office yet. So there's like, there's like 30 people in the world who know where I live. Um, 
and I hope they're all nice. Um, and <laughs> she mailed me back $30 cash. And I was like, no, I insist on you taking this because of this album, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, that's so kind. Like, I, I really just wanted her to have it because it took so long for it to come. And then she wrote me this really like nice letter and it made the whole Reddit thing better. And I was like, okay, that feels way more like accurate to my yeah, experience. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, let's clear the, let's clear the whole, the whole record here. I, um, no, it's, 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 it's nice to talk to you about the, um, Twin Peaks and, 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 and Lynch stuff. No, I saw, I saw you. I'm like, she sings at the roadhouse. There's no fucking way she doesn't sing at the roadhouse. You just see you singing at the roadhouse, like, like, uh, the chromatics and nine inch nails and just that set moving scene. And there you are. So, yeah. Oh yeah. That's the ultimate dream is to sing at the roadhouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to, all I need to do is dance. I can't, I, I just need to dance at the roadhouse or start a bar fight, uh, whatever, you know, the end scene of somebody starts throwing the punch at the end of the episode. So. There was, um, speaking of asking, um, I emailed David Lynch's producer because I had found it through someone I used to work with at Disney <laughs> when I was a child. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and I didn't have any like music out yet, but I was like, I really want to work. If if he does like another like return thing, I was like, here's my headshot. <laughs> here's like some demos, blah blah. And you then go after, yeah. And she was like, thank you. I'll keep them on file. <laughs> and I was like, when I when my music was doing better, and I knew, you know, I was like one step away from David in several directions of people. I was like, oh, I want to email her again. But someone I was working at the time was like, don't do it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but um, now that I'm not with them, I might, she might be getting another email. <laughs> so I think it's so funny because some of the, some of your um, art ideas and pursuits that move uh, aggressively. I think you just ended up being subject to some of the same tactics from me of being in like, you're like, I it's probably like, I'll do the show because he seems to be approaching me the way that I would approach somebody, I know. somebody, somebody else. Um, I know. Uh, now I want to ask you a question about David Lynch. Have you ever read or listened to the biography, the biography of David Lynch that uh, was written by somebody and he responds in each alternating chapter to the chapter that was written about his life story. Um, wait, what was that? He, the, so the book the is, I think it's a place called like, uh, it's about, it's a biography and it's called close to home. So, uh, the way it's done is that the author tells about an event or David Lynch's life. And in the ensuing chapter, David Lynch responds to it with like, maybe this is what actually happened or this is my take. Oh, I've not read that. Oh, I got. So this is why I'm asking you because I listened to it and um, David Lynch does the reading of his own chapters that the ones that are after the biographer. And I want to tell you this because it's one of the funniest things I ever listened to is there's this long chapter. The, the, the author is describing um, David Lynch in high school, right. And done this research and this is what he did. And this is what he did. It goes on for five, 10 minutes. 
And then you're waiting and it cuts over to David Lynch, kind of like in big long chapter. And all you hear is, I fucking hated high school. <laughs> and I lost my shit listening to it because I'm, I'm ready for, you know, 20 minutes, the authoritative version of like what high school was for me. And it's like, I fucking hated high school. And I was like, I lost my shit. It was the most unexpected, most unexpected shortest chapter since like Faulkner. I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. That's amazing. Honestly, same. Oh, David. David wasn't meant to go to have the hierarchies of high school and the ASB and the jocks. And I reckon, I, I reckon not. David. Hey, I want to ask you gloom about a question. I'm really interested in hearing your opinion on, um, about Lynch's women, right? Like, uh, the, uh, there's, there's like complicated debate, you know, because it, in, in, in his movies, uh, they tend to focus on the prominent, powerful, persevering, woman um but women also tend to be the 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 targets of you know bad events or or violence and sometimes in a way that's that that's really harsh so there's like a complicated relationship um within within the the film of lynch what do what do you think about it what do you see in lynch's work when Um, it comes when it comes to that he talks about how I think it. I think it. I think it all comes back to that that formative thing where he was making that that movie with Mark about Marilyn. But he said his. It was a. I don't remember where the quote was from, but he said that he was telling a story of a story of a girl in trouble, and yes. um, and so I think. I think like, I don't know, you know, I don't know David and I, I don't want to presume it could be absolutely wrong, but as an artist myself, um, the one who's also similarly interested in that, that, um, particularly, well, the exact same person as he was, um, I think he really wanted to tell that story and, I think sometimes when you want to tell a particular story, and I find this this to be true when I'm writing an album or a script or whatever, until I get to tell a story the way that I really intended to tell it, it just keeps recycling itself in different ways in my art. It's just trying to escape and get out. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, it can kind of be like this and that. And the longer I go, like, I, I think because the subject matter he was excited to talk about, you leak, you, you, you literally can't talk about it. I was actually, um, told, I had a song I named goddess after the book that I released and I was, I, it ended a little bit more suggestively and I was told by my legal team to not do that. And I got nervous and changed it because they listed all the people who had suggested that who had not lived to see more days. And they said, we don't know if any of these stories have to do with it, but we would suggest you leave it open. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I'm never going to give my full opinion on that. Um, (laughs) That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that he, 
really wanted to tell the story about this one girl in trouble and he came to care about her so much. And I think that 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 narrative and that um, and however, I know some people argue like that it's not, you know, it's not feminist or it's not like a strong woman, a girl in trouble. She's a damsel in distress. And it's just like, well, no, the guy was trying to tell a story about a woman who was very in trouble. Like, like she literally got, you know, whatever we say she got. But, um, and, and then, you know, I'm trying to think of a sort of an inappropriate way to say it, but, uh, no. Uh, uh, what's your is it a can i say <laughs> yeah rock and roll you know, like, i think he got like like art blue balls and he really wanted to tell the story about this thing and he was about to and he was very excited about it and then they're like no and and i think that like you're like oh my god no and so you know then he made twin peaks and you can see it throughout his stories that that particular um that particular tale is, is interesting to him. And obviously not to undermine his work that he doesn't tell a bunch of different nuanced stories and, and, and beautiful things. They're, they're all very different. I mean, blue velvet is very different from it. That's a whole different thing, but I think he has a heart for that, that made him feel a compassion for that. And whether or not certain people find that to be like, um, making women seem helpless or whatever, I find it. In, I find it um, sweet. I guess. Yeah, I and and, and I, I see it. Um, and it's interesting to the woman in trouble, right? Uh, the subtitle of Inland Empire, and um, I don't know. I just hearing you say that in relation to that, it's just this echo. I hadn't seen or just. I guess the art blue balls, right? So, I mean, I get these, I, I get, I remembered certain expressions throughout this interview that have stuck out for me. I, I recognized, uh, I heard one expression, which was uh, Proust and Versailles. And then I heard forced empathy. And recently I heard uh, art blue balls. So I, I, these things are sticking in my head. So you got that down. That's the poet piece of it. I don't even have that written down at all. I'm just like, what the heck was that? She just said. <laughs> um but no there's uh there is there's and and i think it's complicated and it's not simple and even when i try to um not write about it or just address it as like what type of issue it was like women within twin uh within twin peaks um in an article i had written i realized even when i introduced the idea of like is it like uh, is it is it is it feminist or not feminist it's not misogynist it's depicting this violence but it's also it's you know it's tough it's tough to navigate and i think it's a great um a great way to engage with the text but the women are the heroes. Like when you take exactly. like Naomi Watts, like her performance and like Mulholland Drive, like her being like that's her first big role. And plus the subtext of her showing up in Hollywood in the splitting of identity. It's like fucking mind blowing. I'm like, yes. those performances like almost like hurt my skin. Like, oh, in, yeah. like watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's, 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 it's that powerful. And, um, 
Yeah, thanks for putting that thread in there about the the the, the main thing that keeps recurring in in the role of um, I hadn't read or pulled that together the role of that story of Marilyn Monroe and like uh, I think I, yeah I think he I think he had a lot I think after I mean I I've, I've read that book and you you do leave that book overwhelmed with a lot of compassion for her and then you are very moved to write about it I I it is something about the writer. Um, I'm blanking on his name because they they did actually a Netflix special on his book, which they changed the ending of because Netflix was scared. But um, okay. as am I. But um, so they, the movie or the book Goddess is really interesting because you you leave it and you feel extreme compassion for Marilyn Monroe, and you also feel it it just so much of it is so relatable to your own life. There's so many, no matter who you are, I mean, everyone has this very um, elevated, unrelatable version of her where she is a female icon, orphan, drug addiction. And not all of us are living that life. That's quite, that's quite unique. But, um, it's not that it's 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 much more relatable than I think. I think people who don't take a look want to know. It's just a broken childhood, um, trying to get by and and getting getting some luck because she she had when you when you have a broken childhood you work desperately, not just hard, but you're desperate. And so I think that desperation got her as far as she, why, you know, that's why she was just like catapulted herself into like being an absolute, like the star. And then also the one thing that makes me very frustrated is the pills she was taking at the time, every other housewife was taking those pills. It wasn't unique to Marilyn Monroe. It wasn't a unique Marilyn Monroe story. It wasn't this tragic Marilyn Monroe end that's unique to Marilyn. I mean, that was their Xanax at the time. And we all take everyone. I mean, I don't take Xanax, but I know lots of people who take Xanax and Ativan. And no one's having, you know, sensationalized stories. If someone takes a Xanax, I mean, no one's like, oh, my God, like, that person's in trouble. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, you have anxiety. I get it. So I think when we, it's like when we look at the Bible and you don't read it in Hebrew, like it's different. Like you're looking at the fifties, you didn't live then. And you're like, oh, Marilyn Monroe was a wild woman with her barbiturates. And it's like, well, no, she was just a regular woman who was going through a time trying to have a child and trying to find a man to give her a child. Like we all, you know, honestly, frankly, I get it. I'm in my 30s. I'm like same, and it's a weird time. And I, I'm on clonopin, and that's that's my. I maybe back then they would have put me on barbiturates. I don't know. Um, and so it's not. It's not so far removed, is what you're saying. It's not so far removed. People yeah. make it a big sensationalized, yeah. unique Marilyn Monroe thing, and it's just simply not. And so that I hate that she's like the face of barbiturates because everyone was taking them. Um, And so I think when you read that book, you realize just how much you feel, you felt like this woman, so many times, men and women alike, the, 
the things that you read in this, you're just like, God, same. Um, and I think that it's one of the most, you know, when you're telling a story in art and you're a director and you're writing a film, you're David Lynch, whatever, you're trying to find the universal and the particular, uh, there's no better option story than that. Like when you read that book, especially the, the universal and the particular in that is like the perfect ratio of everyone will watch this and relate to this and feel something. And, um, and that's the goal. Right. And so, um, I think, I think it makes perfect sense. And so I, and so, and it, it, obviously like I can see how the female characters developed, but he, the thing is that what he did, and I think maybe like lacking the context, it just becomes like the stamsel story and is it anti-feminist? But what happened is he took the, the person that he was maybe a muse of his and he let them win. <laughs> and I think that was so exciting to him, you know, maybe not in Twin Peaks, but in some of his films, you know, the girl in trouble got, got to, you know, get herself out. And, um, yeah. and I think that's so cool because I think that that's what he wanted. That's what he wished it's what we, you know, it's, what we all wished, right? Like I, um, even like recently with Matthew Perry dying, I think everyone was so shocked and moved by that, whether they were big friends fans or not, but most people kind of are. I, I think we all knew he had these addictions, but he was getting better and he was helping people and he had this book and yeah. he was doing yeah. things to help people not have addictions. And no one was really expecting him to go at that point. We thought he was kind of on the mend and, and it's just kind of like uh, that thing where your culture is like rooting for this person. And when he died, we were like, no, wait, no, no, that's wrong. Like, yeah. like that wasn't supposed to happen that way. He, I, I, he figured it out. Yeah. And so yeah. I think um, from my fifth grade class of studying icons, um, the one of the main components of, of being an icon um, is people have to root for you. And can they root for you if there's nothing that you have opposition in, in your life with? Um, and so if you just, if, if it all came easy, there's not much to root for cause you're okay. And so there's this, there's this like subtle balance of like, you know, this person came from shit and then they overcame it. But like, they don't know that life so that they, they might like self-destruct and, and you're like, you're rooting for them. And, and that's like a very common recipe of like, I, I think, I think the studio system used to like very purposefully tell the stories that way of that didn't even exist. I think I read once that um, there was this girl who came from Texas and they changed it to like a farm and a nice house in Texas she changed it changed it to a farm in Alabama, didn't have any money, and now she lives in a penthouse, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was like the story was that she lived in like a nice house in Texas and then she got a decent house in L.A. Um, like it wasn't a big story. But they totally changed the narrative that we're rooting for her. And we were rooting for her and she made it. And so um, not only when you're making an icon as a – actor, musician, whatever, uh, when you're trying to make a, a, a like a film, 
and your and your protagonist um often you want them to have these qualities because you need the audience to relate to them and root for them as well yeah um and so i think david lynch does that brilliantly and that's one of one of the things about him i don't know if anyone talks about it much but um he makes characters that you are just so attached to like yeah I mean, if anything bad happened to any of the characters on Twin Peaks when it did, you were just like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> you know, he, you're, you're rooting for every one of them. Yeah. And yeah. and um, and maybe a redemption story for some of them. You don't know. Except like, Leo, he, except he just, Leo. Most everybody else except Leo. Yeah, except, oh, yeah, no. He, <laughs> and uh, he's so good at that. He's so, so good at that. And I think he must have been obsessed with with icons too because it's such an interesting subject because it's how our country became that's that's uh, our bread and butter is our entertainment industry well it's i mean it's what we're known for we don't have cathedrals and and marie antoinette or like whatever you know the history of other countries we're we're a newer country and um we have some embarrassing histories and one of our good ones is that we have Hollywood and, um, and Hollywood is a big accomplishment for our country. So, um, growing up here, I think that's something that you, you kind of, when you go into it and you really, really care about being into it, you, you try to get to the bottom of the, the recipe of it because there is one and you can kind of see it repeated. And I think, um, I think that's probably why potentially, uh, I seemed Lynchian before I was familiar in high school with Twin Peaks um, was that I was also very intrigued by the girl that was in trouble. Yeah. Well, uh, wow. Thanks for talking about that, that too. And there's so many, um, there's so many different ways you were talking about Lynch. Um, That's why it's fun to talk, talk about that stuff and those great texts. Cause I'm always like a bit like, Oh, I didn't quite see it. I didn't quite see that exactly. And, um, uh, really just, just really enjoy that. I wanted to, Oh, uh, are you a Swifty? Yeah. Yeah. I adore, um, I adore Taylor Swift. It's a large recur- reoccurring theme. Uh, oh, yeah. In, in the podcast. Oh, um, great. The, okay, good. The, the concert then, movie. Um, oh, I ha- I'm, I'm waiting to see it. I'm dying to see it. I, I haven't, I haven't been, I need okay. to see it. Okay. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it twice. Um, I saw my, I saw uh, two different, two different groups and uh, it's towards three hours long. I'm not going to tell you the details, but I will just tell you certain things. The outfits are insanely beautiful, like the, how they're, how they're designed. And there's this set, the set designs and things that you'll see. The one for uh, folklore, I wanted to live in or find out a way I can cut it out for recapture <laughs> it and live in it. And the thing is, and one piece, I won't tell you anymore. She just okay. sinks from like on top of the roof right there. And you're in that land. And I'm like, 
So I keep going there. I keep going to the theater, even though it's 1989. Oh, I mean, I've been playing folklore all day in my office up until this podcast. So I um, that's my favorite, uh, like top 10 albums, my favorite Taylor Swift album. I'm uh, it's incredible. I, 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 I just adore it. I range a lot, but um, for me, like my, my big, big thing that I, that I really enjoy is maybe a uh, goth, dark, a uh, doom, doom metal, big metal guy. Yeah. But there's, there's a doom in folklore oh. that just like, it's the fog of that album. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I just started re-listening to it again and I mean I always have like a new favorite when I come back I was on cardigan forever and now I'm like wait mirrorball is such a fucking good song and I I adore uh mirrorball my I have a hoodie which the with the mirrorball really lyrics yeah I do oh, I adore mirror mirrorball and seven. Oh my gosh yeah oh yeah oh yeah All um, I'll keep going. <laughs> no, Mirabal, I've been listening I've been listening to it so much lately. I when I find a song I really like, I I guess kind of like um David does his movies. I want to get to the bottom of it. Yep. <laughs> I want to figure out what happened and how it happened. And I like just listen to it over and over and over. And each time I listen, I'm like, oh, I kind of see why like she went from that lyric to that lyric. Oh, okay, that's really clever. And I love I love people hate that about me because I'll just I'll just keep listening to the same song again and again like a psychopath. And people are like, please put something else on, and I'm like, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I on this on this, and so I'll say that I admitted this on the show before. It's not admitting because like this, but I've told this on the, the show before. My so and we probably share this, um, you know, liking an out. I would say an album or a song, but liking an album so much that uh, what is the loop of the song and how often, you know, are you playing it? But I played I and it was right when I got I wasn't into the early catalog of Taylor. Like it's me. It's like 1989 and post 1989. I get that. You did the same thing. I listened to um, 1989 Every single day, at least once for 18 months. Oh, honestly, same. I mean, I You Belong With Me wasn't. So, like, when I was younger, that wasn't the style of music that I listened to. But I couldn't help but admit that that was a perfect song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, like, writing-wise, pop-wise, yeah. like, they like she won with that song. That's a perfect song. So, even though I'd be listening to, like, the shins and you know whatever i was listening to back in that era you belong with me would sneak in and i'd just be like yelling at it in my car and all of my like you know indie friends were like oh what are you doing and i was like it's a good song you guys (laughs) and i write songs and i care and (laughs) but then when 89 1989 came around i was just like okay honestly i don't care what anyone says i'm you can all and then by now I think culture has just accepted that she's just I don't know why there was a lot of resistance um, a long time and so people weird. were like no but I think and that that must have been so hard like just that she kept having to like prove herself even though she was just writing this brilliant music for us um I agree but 
she eventually, eventually we all just kind of put our guns down and we were like, listen, you're an incredible songwriter. Like I, I think, I think now the average person on the street, if you ask if they like Taylor Swift, they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. great. She's really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to, yeah. No, I'm starting to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no. I just was going to say, I think, I think now people are, people are over it and I'm glad because she's a gift. Yeah. I find, um, I've invited uh, Taylor uh, five different times and you know, it's, it's perseverance. It's the, it's, 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 it's over time, but um, no, I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the, the concert film and, uh, and, and really enjoyed that, that music. Um, uh, what I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, Gloom, was um, about uh, just about you know you're an artist and a, and a creator and a and a, and a performer. Um, what I wanted to ask is 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 what do you think? Uh, what are you trying to do when when you're making art? What what is what is art? Are you, are you trying to achieve a certain end uh in creating art or is it more the process and just how you breathe it never ends but i think that without it we would be so alone um because i think like uh taylor swift for instance you know there are certain feelings that i'll have and i'm just like oh my gosh you need to like get over that and then she'll have a whole anthem about it and i'm like okay well it seems like a fair feeling. <laughs> and um, I think that when you're making art, I guess other than, you know, bottling a feeling is a really cheesy way to say it, but and also the back to the universal and the particular, you're trying to tell your story and um, you're, you're telling it in a way that I personally, for me, I just like, I hope that, and I know that with the way that human nature is, that likely someone else has felt the same. And there's a catharsis to releasing it myself, kind of like I've let that, once I've penned it down and I've recorded it and I'm saying it a bunch of times on tour, it's kind of like I've let it go and set it free. And then also, what I'll find to know that like I, I like I accomplished the task is then, you know, I'm selling, you know, I'm at by the merch booth and I have people coming in and they one after one, like, Oh, I've been through that. And I don't, I've never had a song that's like, that said it like that or addressed it like that. And that's really like, I think at the end of the day, that's like when you realize like, that's why I did it. Like, and you don't know till you get that feeling and you see that understanding in that person's eyes that like they, you can see that they, they want to like come let you know that they feel us alone. And to me, that's probably the most motivating and inspiring thing because I spent so much of my childhood, Marilyn Monroe's, if you read about hers, <laughs> I spent so much of my childhood alone. I was homeschooled. Um, I did child acting, but that isn't, um, it's not very so much socializing. I would go on AOL instant messenger on recess breaks and chat with people I kind of knew from like theater shows I was in. I had pets. I had a lot of pets cause I was very lonely. And then my, my mom was very, um, complicated 
and so complicated that, you know, I could not ask of her anything if I was not feeling whole, you know, like where I, where you're like, keep me company or something like that. Yeah. And then my dad, you know, he was there for me quite a lot, but he also had to, you know, he was very concerned about my mom. So I was, I was often, you know, kind of just, you know, self-soothing or like just playing with toys and by myself in my room. And then, you know, that turns into junior high, it turns into high school and you've developed kind of a pattern and you're not sure why you keep running into this feeling of loneliness and you watch the Wizard of Oz and you're like, oh, I get what they were saying there with the like, and you have an existential crisis in your late teens about like some kids movie from 1938 and Dorothy. And there's just this, there's this universal thing and no matter like Taylor Swift is a great example that you brought her up because she's the most famous one of the she's now you know one of the most famous people on this planet and I can still tell in her interviews and whatnot and I noticed when she was younger she had this and you everyone says oh she'll grow out of it she'll and I always tell people no you don't grow out of that when it when it hits at a specific age that's you're gonna feel that way and that's you know with Matthew Perry but she has this kind of imposter syndrome. She feels kind of like she's not a cool kid. She feels like she definitely feels lonely. Yeah. And yeah. you can still see it in interviews. She's she's now what? A, she's been proclaimed a billionaire. She's she's this tour was massively successful. She knows she fucking killed it. And then when you still talk to her, you can still you can still see that, you know, it's just she's just, you can't take the, the heat that out of a person. And some people just you know, you see other artists and they seem really full of themselves. And I would argue that they likely were probably their mom's favorite child and pretty full of themselves as a kid too. And, um, so, um, then, and they make very interesting, catchy songs, but they don't make like the art that you're talking about. And, um, I just think we're all trying to connect and we're all trying to feel, um, part of something and um and so often we don't and so especially when we have unique problems and so when you find something that says something that you feel that you'd never heard said out loud before other than in your own head it's a miracle and it it you maybe like it, it you're you're like I might be fixed at least for the day you know and mm-hmm. um that's powerful because I don't know any benzo or SSRI that can do that. And right. um, so I, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, my, I, I parted ways with my old label and I, I don't love how things went, but they they did have a saying that was music is medicine. And um, I think that's, absolutely true and i think film is the same way um and i think i don't know what we would do without it everyone's created art since before we had movies and before we had recordings people needed to 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 paint they needed to write books they needed to yeah we still write books but (laughs) we still paint but (laughs) before we had these mediums of, of audio and and film i mean it's just been the human way of 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 coping with i mean being a human's kind of weird 
and fucked up and we're not sure why we're we're doing it and and like we got dropped here and we're like whoa (laughs) you know those memes i didn't ask to be born you're like i yeah when things happen you're like i just can i is there an is there an exit i (laughs) oh there was nothing now there's something and here it all is in front of me. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. And so you just are trying to figure out how to navigate your way through life. And sometimes you don't know how to fucking navigate something and you just, you, you make something about it and you move on. And then, you know, sometimes it's just for you and sometimes it benefits a whole fucking bunch of people. And, um, I don't think one is less or more valid, but I think it's really exciting when um when you can make people feel less alone because it's so yeah. weird we're all here but we're all so so separate and well i i, I really you know and, and on the art bit too it just like um in in doing the show like in the you know i'm really excited to talk to you like you you you're interested in in but but like I just really adore your music and i just like it's a kind of a weird because i i, I don't know you we haven't met but like just um I liked everything you were attempting. Like I, I I liked it all. And then on the music for me, I have a like uh, I'm 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 a sucker uh for for female song, but also this spacey moodiness and wandering and mystery. It's just like a whole mood in 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 tone. And so I, I really, I, I really love that, and also the your photos and your visuals, like that, are just striking and just like it, it's 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 cool. It's like ex- exciting to to be around, and it's it's exciting to be able to to talk to you. And then you add the Lynch stuff in, and and all the other Marilyn Monroe, and you know, like so. I just wanted to tell you, I find it such a great thing to be able to um uh connect with your 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 creative mind. And, um, and one other point too, is uh, there's something that maybe as you're telling me about, um, you know, like of asking all those questions and asking the additional things and the fact that I can see that you're hustling and I just root for you. Cause I'm like, fucking you win, you know, seriously. And that's that I, it's just, you're the artist and, you know, hit it, go after it. And, um, so, I'm a fan. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, Where do listeners find those things we've been talking about? Your things, your art and music and visual. My art is on any, generally any listening platform, iTunes, Spotify, etc. My albums are the internet and main character. And I have a double-sided single, Rosalind and Goddess, um, that is based on what we were talking about tonight. And um, I will be releasing more at the top of the year. So you can find my music videos on the Italians Do It Better YouTube channel, and you will find my new music videos on the Gloom channel next year. So exciting! So exciting to so exciting to hear about. I have a I have a report that's uh, useful, and uh, I sent you a quick message. I was um, 
uh, uh, going around uh, in in Portland, Oregon, and uh, some folks in the car with me, and I was playing your music, and they all are just uh, just suckers for it. And they were listening and we were blasting and we were going by the, uh, Portland erotic ball. That's at the McMinniman square. It's like the longest running oh, yeah, yeah. erotic, erotic ball there. And I was like, man, it's like, I just made you like three fans and we're freaking rolling down Portland past the erotic ball. I said, I think Loom would like this. She doesn't even know I'm doing this right now. <laughs> I, do, I love it. I love that. <laughs> it's like it's like we gotta gotta roll in the car with the hood open sometime and uh you know <laughs> That's um, amazing. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's cool. Um yeah, so it's great to hear uh, where we can find uh the to find your stuff. Um, you know, uh it's just out of courtesy here. Uh, we've been talking for a while. Uh, out of courtesy we gotta end the conversation um and hope hopefully talk again i want to be respectful although it's a bit later when we're recording and from what i hear in la y'all go forever so i don't know oh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah no this is normal oh um only because i just thought of it and uh one thing popped into my head before i leave you uh do you obsess about the manson family absolutely Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do as well. I've done, I've done some, uh, I've done a photo art piece that's just creepy. And what's creepy about it is uh, the photos of the Manson, uh, gals, but what's so cool about it. What I loved it is like, I'm like, I don't believe I made this weird ass thing i was so excited by seeing i'm like i could see why i'm like this weird fantasy fetishization evil manson women like i could see that but after the 20 photos in the red frame after i done i'm like i don't do art like this normally (laughs) that's so funny oh my gosh i yeah no i i I was so excited when I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when they yeah. got to that part, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I, uh, yeah. You don't see it in like a film like that much. You're like, "Oh, I wasn't expect." I guess I, guess, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it, but I was just like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> all right, all right. Well, here, here, listeners, because we're gonna respect uh, Gloom's time. Uh, I'm gonna ask Gloom. Uh, would you? We should do either an ins- Insta Live or some sort of uh, idea of discussing just uh, Manson family stuff for our own Absolutely. enjoyment and any sort of ancillary enjoyment that the listeners may uh, get from it. I think you and I uh, would would be, would be great to uh, revisit the larger question of the most bizarre story in the killer universe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have my Sharon Tate book over there. Yeah, no, I'm ready. All right. One final serial killer thing, and I'm really going to let you go. When I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I lived six blocks from Dahmer's apartments. Oh, my God. Creepy, 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 creepy town area. I have a photo I did a study, um, one of the few art little courses I did, it was called The Spirit of Place. And it was basically, here's how I'll sum it up. What are the ghosts of where you are? Like, what are the, what are the ghosts like in creating the art? And what I had was, 
I went to uh, North Milwaukee where the Dahmer just space was. That apartment building had been destroyed. But what you have is is like a just an open industrial field in Milwaukee being a cold industrial city. It was November and it's black and white. And I was so fascinated because the absence of yeah. the building and the starkness and I, I actually like, I just worked with that photo because I'm like, I don't know. It's just so en- enthralling. So yeah, that was just five blocks away from when I went to, to school studying philosophy at Marquette University. Yeah. Right down the, right down, right down the street. So how did we, I get you get us onto serial killers? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know, but we could go on ghosts too. So that, yeah, it's a whole... drop on ghosts uh, quite a bit. Okay, I am going to let you enjoy the rest of your evening, and <laughs> um, uh, and I hope this has been enjoyable. I uh, want to tell you, it's like a really deep life pleasure to uh, to meet you and to chat with you. Gloom. Thank you so much for having me. Balance, but look at the way she knows pain is beautiful.
This is something rather than nothing. And listeners, to stay connected with us and our guests, visit somethingratherthannothing.com. Join our mailing list for exclusive updates and access to guest-created art. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode, please like, subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform. People really read that shit. Your support helps us reach more listeners and spread our community across the planet. This is a global show, and we like to give a shout out to our many listeners across the world, including many listeners in Canada, Spain, Germany, UK, Argentina, Brazil, India, Thailand, and so many more places. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at something rather than nothing podcast for behind the scenes content. And the best way to help the show is to tell your friends about us. If you love it, they'll love it too. Tell your friends who love it. We love you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing podcast.